This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Because it matters. Welcome, everybody, to the new episode of the Truth and Reality Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Roman, reporting in the middle of nowhere. And the excerpt or video you just heard is something that happened more than 10 years ago while Herm Edwards was the football coach, head football coach of the New York uh, Jets currently. I think he is the Arizona State head coach. But long story short, that was an excerpt I wanted to play because, ladies and gentlemen, I need to apologize. I didn't talk about the play-in, the play-in, not play-me, or play-in. You know, the past few weeks, I talked about the NBA, but not the new format called the play-in. For those who do not know what it is, it's a new format where teams 7th to 10th play in a couple of games in order to qualify for the 7th and 8th seed. Now, teams 7th and 8th, face each other winner gets the seventh seed while the loser is still alive teams ninth and tenth uh, winner plays the loser of the seventh and eighth game whoever wins between the seventh and eighth loser and the ninth and tenth winner will get the eighth seed sounds kind of tricky but once you actually investigate it is actually Kind of cool, kind of interesting. Do you like the play-in or do you hate it already? In one way, the play-in keeps more teams involved in the playoff hunt. Let's be honest. It makes us more interested in watching the NBA. The old format, the Pacers, the Grizzlies, and Spurs TV viewership would have went down the last 10 games. Why? Because they were looking like a down-trending team that wasn't going to make the playoffs. However, the new format says, hold on, they still have a chance. And if you saw the game, yes, one of the playing games yesterday, the Pacers beat the Hornets in the ninth and 10th game. They're not in the playoffs yet, ladies and gentlemen, but it keeps the Pacers in the game. Overall, I like it. With 10 games left, you see about 73% of the NBA teams were still in the race to make the playoffs. I mean, to me, that's interesting. How can that not be interesting to all of you? That more teams are still fighting, more teams are still trying to, to play competitive games towards the end of the season and not just give up and start giving certain players a chance that they didn't give a chance maybe in mid-season or early in the season for whatever reason. But now it's the end of the season. The, the team's not going anywhere. So now they let certain those certain players who never logged in minutes get an opportunity and a chance to win. Now everyone, now this challenges coaches to say, you still got a chance. Still try. Try new things. You know, um, and see what will happen. I like teams and players remaining competitive versus tanking, allowing the 
the, the teams to allow the fat woman to sing. That's what I love. I love competitiveness. I never like to see teams tanking. I never like to hear that teams are trying to get a good playoff spot. Now, well, in the NBA, does it really make sense to tank because your draft status is, is reliant on an NBA lottery, so, which means the top five worst teams cannot probably possibly be in one to five spot in the draft. They could probably be 13th, 10th, 11th, 8th, 9th, but possibly not number one, even if they have the worst season, NBA season, that current season. It just won't happen. But I like this competitiveness. I like that it keeps teams in. And so far, a team that's not supposed to be in it, a team that didn't look like a playoff team the last 10 to 15 games, actually won one of its playing games and still in the race because they still have to play. And as of right now, I think it's the Pacers versus the Wizards. And whoever wins that game will ultimately get the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Tonight will be the Western Conference playing games. We'll see what happens. We'll see if the Lakers look like NBA champions and stay in the race. Or maybe they exit early because of all the injuries. But we'll see what happens. Now that the season is over, I've been hearing a lot of MVP talk and Coach of the Year's talk. And quite frankly, I don't like the results that I hear certain people say. Let's talk about the MVP. Julius Randle had... An NBA season that one out of six players have had. I mean, only six players had over 20 points, 10 rebounds, and sex, sex, six assists. He made the All-Star team. He has continuously said, uh, wait, put the blame on his shoulders. Put the all the heat, all the whatever you want to say, why the team didn't win, put it on his shoulders. And you want that from a leader. You want that from your MVP. He led a team to the playoffs that wasn't expected to make the playoffs or have a winning record. And to me, quite frankly, that's why he should be the MVP. Now, a lot of people are saying Nikleo Jorak, hopefully I said his name right, had an amazing season. He kept the Nuggets in it even though Jamal Murray went down. He didn't help. It didn't uh He didn't help. Uh, excuse me. He, had, he, he didn't exceed expectations, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody knew that the Nuggets were going to be one of the top five teams in the Western Conference. They were supposed to make the playoffs. On top of that, Murray and Porter scored together 38 points. Murray was scoring in the low 20s, while Porter, Michael Porter Jr., was scoring around 19 points. Versus Rose and Barrett, who scored about 32.5 points combined. So when you look at that, to me, it says he had more teams. He was supposed to be great. No one thought Randall would be great. No one thought Randall would be an all-star. No one thought that the Knicks would be over 500. But long story short, Jorak had the team. So if he didn't perform up to the way he performed this season, his season would have been a joke, in my opinion. It would have been a joke. Yes. After 24 games of no mooring, the Nuggets never got worse. Especially after they got Aaron Gordon, where it seemed like they were one of the best teams in the NBA after they traded for him. However, I still think Randall should win. 
helping a team exceed expectations is more impressive than Jorak's unbelievable season where he was a great passer, a great rebounder, and a great scorer for the team. So to me, Randall does something that he wasn't expected to do. He led a team that wasn't expected to be 500. He led a team to over, over 500, and he made an all-star team while nobody expected him to be an all-star player. So to me, when you exceed what coaches, what teams, what people thought you were going to be, puts you even more on the pedestal, in my opinion, of being an MVP. Because if his statistics were lower, if he didn't make the all-star team, if he just was who he was last year, no one will be talking about Julius Randle at all this season. Let's be realistic. So for me, MVP, Julius Randle. Co off to the coach of the year. Zach Lowe and Stephen A. Smith say Monte Williams should be the should be the coach of the years. Coach of the year. Years. Excuse me. Should be the coach of the year of the Phoenix Suns. I get it. The Suns had the second best record in the NBA. Before the season, everyone thought adding Chris Paul was an amazing addition. And he was. However, look at what he did in OKC last year. The Thunder were not supposed to be great, considering that they traded Westbrook. Paul was supposed to look like an old point guard. And with his leadership and with his IQ, OKC made the playoffs and exceeded people's win-loss expectation for them. So how was he going... And how, so how is he not going to be great with having Booker by his side? Before the season, ESPN ranked the, Saint, uh, uh, ranked the Suns 13th best team before the season started. And they were supposed to win in the low 40s. So did the Suns in some ways, some way exceed expectation? Yes. But, ladies and gentlemen, who is my coach of the year? Well, some of you have probably been listen, listening so far and probably have some expectation of who I pick. But let me throw some things out to you. So who was my coach of the year? Which team was ranked 20, 29th in ESPN's power rankings before the season started? Another question. Which team was predicted to have no all-stars this season? Which team was predicted by ESPN to only win 22 games this upcoming this this past season which team hasn't been in the playoffs in more than 8 seasons which team has no elite player before the season or but had a player that looked like one which team ranked 28th or worse last season in defense which team saw a 20-game improvement versus last season? Do you have the answer? If you guess the Knicks, you're right. Tom Thibodeau helped the Knicks win-loss exceed expectations by 19 games. The New York Knicks defense was top five in almost every on all categories. This team won 20 more games Versus last season when they only won 21. This season, 41. Ladies and gentlemen, to me, Tom Thibodeau is the coach of the year. This team jumped and exceeded. Maybe maybe it's because I'm a Knicks fan. 
but the Knicks basically added no elite players to last offseason and are the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Who saw that happening? Who saw them doing this? On top of that, they're going into this playoffs underdogs to a team that they, they, they have beaten three times. A team that they have, that they're the uh, fifth seed ranked right under them. But yet, the Knicks are underdogs. I like it. Keep on predicting us not to do things and want to keep on shocking you. Maybe it's just me being a Knicks fan. But when you exceed expectations, not just by five rankings, like five points less, or you only improve by five wins. I'm not saying that. He improved their wins by 20 games. They made the playoffs for the first time in eight seasons. No one saw it happen. Everyone said no elite player wants to be a, a New York Knicks. Why? Because they've been so bad the last 20 seasons. In the last 20 seasons, they've had about 21 seasons. They've had three winning seasons in the last 21 years. That's not even half. It's almost, it's almost kind of like cocky and arrogant that every time an analyst or an expert or teams look at the Knicks, it's like they're going to suck again. Because nothing that they ever did worked according to plan. But maybe it's just me because I'm a Knicks fan. And maybe it's just me because I, I see teams exceeding expectation more impressive than a team that was supposed to be 500, a team that was supposed to make the playoffs, and a team that was supposed to be one of the best teams in the NBA. That's why, to me, Monte Williams should not be in it. You have Chris Paul, top five point guard. You have Devin Booker, one of the top five shooting guards. And they weren't supposed to make the playoffs? No, they were supposed to make the playoffs. And especially the way they played last, last season when they won the last eight games and looked impressive in that, in that Disney World bubble. Booker looked amazing. But maybe I'm wrong. I'm not an expert. So do the math. Look, believe whatever you want to believe. Be impressed by what you want to be impressed. But ladies and gentlemen, New York Knicks have the MVP and coach of the year. Now off to the NFL. Last week, the NFL schedule was released. The 2021 season will see a decrease of preseason games, an increase of season games. Preseason games goes from four games to three games. Regular season goes from 16 games to 17 games. The NFL will continue a new play the playoff format that they started last year, which was two teams get a bye week in each conference, meaning one, the best team in each conference will get the bye week, not two teams like it was in the past. A lot of teams will, a lot of people will predict who will make the playoffs based on the schedule. A lot of people will look at the teams, who the teams are facing, and say the team that's facing the most playoff game, uh, playoff teams, and the most teams over 500 will be considered to have the toughest schedule, without looking at the added and subtraction of some certain teams that uh, will dramatically change the season, like the Saints not having Drew Brees. We'll see a season go down. We'll we'll see their win loss record look worse than it has the past 16 years, 16 to 15 years. They will say teams who are facing the most teams under 500 and the most teams that didn't win, uh, that they didn't go to the playoffs as the easy schedule. However, I look at the, the schedule in two ways, ladies and gentlemen. 
Who was the team facing in the beginning? Who was the team facing in the ending? Then I look at the possibility of, of being over and under. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you always want to start a season good or at least two and two because it puts less pressure on the team. You don't want to be that team that starts 0-3 and 0-4 and because once you do that, you put even more pressure of trying to be perfect, more pressure of trying to be go on a win streak of six games or more. But 2-2 two and two is okay. I look at the last four games, why? Because who are the last four teams you're playing? Are you playing more home games over away games? Have you, do you have a, uh, better players than those last four teams? Because a lot of times, let's be realistic, the team that has the easiest last four games sometimes sees an easy path to the playoffs versus a team that faces a lot of teams over 500 and in the playoffs. But maybe that's just me. This season, ladies and gentlemen, off to the season, let's talk about the season, will look a lot different. Why? Well, last season, because of COVID, rookie camp that, that, that a lot of teams had this previous uh, weekend and last week and maybe even earlier this week did not happen. All the mini camps and all the things that usually happen between February and July did not happen. Why, ladies and gentlemen? Because of COVID. This season, because of the vaccine and because of new protocols, teams will have these camps. Some voluntary camps will be canceled because teams ha uh, players have opted out. So to me, if you look at how the season is, it's, it's how the season's going to be. This season could be very different. More practices. Last season we saw with less practices that it favored the offenses. For offense overall, in terms of yards per team, seemed to increase because of less camps. And defenses overall, in terms of yards allowed, seem to have gotten worse. Now, off to an issue that, that had happened a couple, of we couple of weeks ago because a certain player was signed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And a lot of current players, past players, analysts, and experts are angry. Ta Tim Tebow has gotten a chance to be a tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. However, why is that? Oh, wait, Urban Meyer is his coach in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, was Tim Tebow's head coach in Florida when he played in college. However, Tebow won't, will not make it. A lot of people are angry because he's getting a chance over Colin Kaepernick. Remember, no Meyer, Urban Meyer, no chance for Tebow. Let's be realistic about that. You're saying Tim Tebow gains about 20 or 30 pounds. He's at the size of a tight end, a guy who's never caught a pass either in college or the NFL, a guy who has to reinvent himself at 32 years old, is automatically going to uh, um, look great. You know, well, Tim Tebow will accept a practice squad chance because, ladies and gentlemen, last the last couple of seasons, he accepted a minor league chance with the New York Mets. But he decided to retire from baseball and give football one more chance. He's not going to make it, ladies and gentlemen. He's not. So don't be angry. Be happy. Off to Aaron Rodgers. 
Now, Evan Rogers is demanding a trade. And it's not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Why? The Packers are a playoff team. And they know Rodgers is elite and can lead them to the play to the Super Bowl. So why trade him? So Rodgers will so Rodgers in the next few months will either retire because that's what he wants. Because he does not he hates the Packers so much that he will retire and not try to beat records and not try to uh, help a team to the Super Bowl and try to get out of his contract and be the new host, full-time host, uh, host for Jeopardy on ABC. Or he will continue playing. Off to the MLB. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're focusing on hitting and seeing what I'm uh, seeing right now, this less hitting and more no-hitters is the highlight early of this season. In this season so far, it feels that that either either a pitcher is throwing is is throwing a no hitter or getting close to throwing a no hitter in majority of the more a majority of these games. Last night, Turnbull of Detroit Tigers threw a no hitter. Who predicted him to throw a no hitter? Who has even put him in the top fifteen best pitchers in the major leagues? No one. Yet he threw a no hitter. A no hitter. Did anybody predict that? Did anybody say that say or believe that all these no-hitters was going to happen and that offense was going to struggle the way it has. Teams' offenses are struggling. Why? Is it the irregular offseason because of COVID? Or what? Well, it's early in the season. We'll see if things change with the warm weather. It's interesting to see what was possibly going to happen to all these teams. Will the offenses in all these teams, or especially the teams that were supposed to have a great offense, magically wake up in June and July and August and September? Or will the offense continuously look bad and Major League Baseball will see a record high of no-hitters, perfect games ever? Something that, something that's always been irregular turns to a regular thing in the 2021 season. And that's funny. That's interesting. At least to me it is. It's funny. You don't want it. You want the home runs. You want the offense. You want the dazzling de defensive plays. But it's another story for, for, for sports. It's another thing that makes sports so interesting. My New York Mets are amazing. It seems to me that they have finally found a good manager in Luis Rojas. In May, the Mets have the most injuries in baseball, yet the 11-5 are the NL East division leaders. Every other season, the Mets will, this time around, will lose instead of win. It just it just happened every year when my when um the Mets when the Mets had Michael Callaway as their coach. It just seemed when the injuries piled up between May and June, the Mets record always always suffered. They lost more games than win. And then when players start to come back, you saw the win-loss re record improve for the New York Mets because they start to win more games. The New York Mets, its chemistry is so good, and it seems the camaraderie, I'm going to say this word, camaraderie, whatever, the uh, chemistry between players is amazing. It's amazing so much that they call their bench the bench mob, and they have a T-shirt, ladies and gentlemen. I think the Seven Line Army uh, has made that make that t-shirt if not you can google it if you like that term bench mob if you're a Met fan 
but Rojas is doing a good job, in my opinion. Because any other season, the Mets will be losing. And all the Mets fans will be like, will be biting the, the, the nails and hoping that tomorrow all the guys who are on the disabled list, the injured list, are off. But anyway. Well, ladies and gentlemen, th this is my episode. This is the Truth and Rally podcast. I am your host, Anthony Roman. Have a great day and even better night. Bye-bye.